Good afternoon and welcome to the Small World Podcast. My name's Rohan. And I'm Rayfer. And today we are going to be learning more about the Middle Eastern culture with our friend Omar Ahmad. And today we're going to ask him some questions about his culture, his foods, his traditions, his superstitions, and um, we're just going to find out more about his culture. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from? All right, so there's a lot of countries in the Middle East, but um, my, my parents were both born in Syria. And so um, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, like Syria, oh, it's like always like bombs and stuff, but it's really like yeah. a nice, <laughs> it's really like a really nice area. Uh, I, um, I wasn't born in Syria. I was born in the U.S. here in Plano, Texas. But, um, but yeah, both my parents were born in, the, um, in Syria. And so, and so yeah, um, it's a really a nice place. I was born near yeah. Damascus. It's the capital of Syria. Mm, yeah. And so um, Syrian people are really, um, they are really similar to Palestinian people in, the, in their um, dialect of Arabic. And so, um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the food? Because food is a very important aspect in a lot of cultures. So tell us um, common dishes, desserts um, from Syria and tell us how they relate or are different from dishes inside the United States. Um, so some popular food dishes are um, shawarma. Um, mm-hmm. Shawarma is like, so the way that um, I'm used to making shawarma is there's this like really large hunk of meat. It's usually like a right. cow, maybe a sheep, usually like a cow or chicken. And so it just spins on mm-hmm. this sort of metal pole, which is heated up by the this heating around it. And so you basically like shave um, shawarma, shawarma off of the um, like large piece of meat. And so um, this is usually eaten with a sauce called tahini. Mm-hmm. And so... It's really, um, it adds a lot of, like, moisture and flavor to the meat, because a lot of people find the, um, the meat by itself to be just yeah. bland, and so, yeah, it's eaten with, um, tahini sauce, um, lots of different vegetables, like tomatoes, pic- pickles sometimes, um, lettuce, all- a lot of different, um, vegetables, and then, um, there's also a lot of food, which a lot of people associate with the Greeks, yeah. but, like, falafel is a, mm. um, very prominent Middle Eastern mm-hmm. food. And so, um, yeah, that's made by grounding different herbs, and then you fry it. And you know, I really enjoy it a lot. A lot of people eat shawarma and um, falafels with um, bread. And so, yeah. Right. Uh, so, is much of your traditional food meat based or like plant based? It's definitely more meat based because um, you know a lot of our foods like um, there's also something called kebabs mm-hmm. and chicken skewers. And so, yeah, I think the major- majority of food is meat-based. However, um, we try to incorporate a lot of vegetables with it as well. So usually, like, the main course is meat. However, you know, vegetables are put on the side, or mm-hmm. if it's a sandwich, it's put inside the sandwich, sprinkled on top. And so I think the, the meat can sometimes end up being bland occasionally. And so that's why you need the vegetables in order to bring, like, flavor right. out with the mm-hmm. uh, meat. And so... Um, for example, um, there's a, there's an herb, it's, it's called netna in Arabic, Mm -hmm. and so, I think it's mint in English, Mm -hmm. and so, um, this is used in a lot of foods, it's not necessarily, like, the flavor, but it's sprinkled on top, and it adds just, like, an extra, you know, like, an aftertaste to the food, and so it tastes really good, um, tomatoes, definitely Mm -hmm. a common food, 
a, a common vegetable. Um, there's also a lot of sauces involved because it's mostly meat. And so in order to right. add like a moisture aspect, like um, I know a lot of people like hummus. That's mm-hmm. a Middle Eastern. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a Middle Eastern food. <laughs> yeah, hummus. Um, like I said earlier, tahini sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of homemade sauces which yeah. we eat, which yeah. are kind of like family recipes. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of restaurants incorporate them. However, they're not like a major aspect, but they are like um, large parts of adding flavor to nice. the dishes. That's cool. So, what would you say are some good places around town that you can go to eat well, Middle Eastern food? I think there's a lot of places. However, if you're looking for the best authentic food, there's a food truck. It's called um, Abu Omar, and so <laughs> okay. yeah, okay. I know it's yeah. interesting, but like uh, it's a it's like I believe it's Palestinian based. Mm-hmm. However, like I said earlier, Palestinian and Syrian food they kind of like go hand in hand, yeah. um, and so it's it's really authentic. I'll say that um, the sandwich is really good. I like the portion sizes. Um, they they definitely have um, a large variety of vegetables. They, right. they add things I've never really thought about, but that really do taste good. They add carrots, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, they have a, a special take on the tahini sauce, which I really enjoy. And so if you're right. looking for the best authentic shawarma, I think that's the best place to go. Um, there's other places, such as um, in Richardson, there's a place called um, Kisra. Mm-hmm. It's not Syrian, it's Iranian. However, um, they specialize in kebabs and chicken skewers, and Iranian people typically have the best um, take on yeah. the um, kebabs and chicken skewers. Mm-hmm. They add like special sauces, and so that's where like you'll see the yellow chicken. That's mm-hmm. an Iranian food, mm-hmm. and the kebabs that are like um, that are segmented and mm-hmm. they're um, they're longer. Those are also yeah. um, um, Iranian takes on kebabs and chicken skewers. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. So, um, I wanted to also discuss upon this topic, uh, before, but we switched to food, but, so, um, I just want to know, like, uh, how, how and why did your parents come here? Was it because of situations that were arising in Syria, or did they just, like, get a job here and, you know? It's actually, um, really interesting, because my parents both kind of took a similar, similar route, mm-hmm. however, they went in opposite sides of the world until finally meeting. So they're both born in Syria around um, Damascus. Mm-hmm. And so most they were both there for like maybe eight years of their lives. But then on my dad's side of the family, due to not necessarily due to um, political climate, but, you know, just to like, you know, arguments with the neighbors, um, right. like rising like influence from my grandfather, mm-hmm. he became more important. So he had to travel a lot more. And uh, at this time the heart of the Middle Eastern world, world really was Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. due to um, it's actually where the first, where the Kaaba is, it's where mm-hmm. the prophet was buried. And yeah. so this was a really important area. And mm-hmm. so they ended up moving to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I also have a lot of Saudi, um, Saudi aspects in my dialogue in Arabic and also in like my food. And then my mom's side of the family, um, instead of moving, they, they moved for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. However, they didn't move because of... Um, they didn't move to Saudi Arabia because they kind of want to take a break from the Middle Eastern world because my grandfather had been living there for roughly like 60 years right. or oh, actually yeah. no, 50 years back then. Mm-hmm. And so they moved to Spain. Hmm. And oh, so, yeah. yeah, I find it very interesting because my mom grew up as a Spanish Arabian woman. Really? And so she had to grow up in a place that like where a lot of there was a lot of anti-Arab sentiments because 
you know, a lot of Spaniards, like, considered Arabs and Muslims as, like, wrong, not necessarily wrong, but, like, they didn't mm-hmm. like them because, yeah. you know, historically, the Muslims took over Spain mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So there right. was just, like, an anti-Muslim sentiment. And so too. she had to grow up there until eventually she met my dad on a business trip in which they got married eventually and moved to Plano. So they so met cool. in Spain. No, so my dad, after he got a job, right. he moved to Louisiana to study at LSU. And so once he finished studying, he um, went into... I forget what his career was, but he was traveling a lot. And so when he traveled to Spain, he met my mom. And right, it was right. an arranged marriage. But like while he was in Spain, he mm-hmm. met my mom. and oh. Wow. Yeah. So how is Syria now compared to back then? Is there still turmoil or have things changed? Okay, so um, I haven't been, been to Syria since I think I was like six years old. And so um, um, the reason we stopped going was because soon after like we went, like, um, like I don't know, like, like 10 years yeah. ago or so, um, a civil war erupted because the, the leader, um, right. the leader of Syria, um, I've... I believe his son took over, and his mm. son's name is Bashar al-Assad. I'm not necessarily certain what Bashar means, but al-Assad translates in Arabic to the lion, and so um, right. he's known in Syria for killing a lot of like a lot of people who don't agree with him, and so mm. a, a whole civil war erupted between rebels and loyalists, mm. and so um, we haven't gone back because a lot of people we know, like family members, right. they, a lot of them died because of like bombings and stuff like that. And so we don't want to put our safety at jeopardy by going back. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like people like my mom's uncle and a lot of like, a lot of just people we know that a lot of them died just from bombings. And it's wow. not necessarily that they voiced their opinion. Yeah. It was just like, you know, people around them, you know, some, maybe their neighbor voiced something. And so all of them just a lot of them just so get like, bombed. A uh, whole neighborhood would get bombed. Yeah. So they, they get like, the whole caught neighborhood. in the crossfire. Yeah, basically. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And That's so, crazy. And so a lot of them, the reason they won't leave is because they kind of have like this emotional attachment to Syria. Because mm-hmm. right. unlike my parents who moved early on, a lot of them, they just, they grew up there. They mm-hmm. raised their children there. Some of them are grandparents, like my great uncles and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. And so they just, they are willing to accept, you know, if they have to just die there because they don't want to move out. That's like, you know, where they've been. They have a lot of emotional attachment, oh. so yeah. Oh, I've never heard of that part. I've just heard of people trying to leave. Yeah, and but it's that's, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's hard to leave where your origins are and go yeah. to a new place because a lot of times that means leaving their whole country and going to a whole separate country. Yeah, because there might be turmoil around there. So, um, that's really interesting to see how. Um, that emotional attachment is stronger than like a- anything going around. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to transition to festivals. So, um, what are important festivals in the Syrian or Middle Eastern cu- um culture? And uh, how do you celebrate them? Well, so festivals aren't necessarily like a large part. However, there's holidays in in our religion right. at least. If you're Islamic, there's holidays called Eid. And mm-hmm. so, eat, yeah. eat, guess, uh, kill a goat. So there's two eats. There's, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so there's one called I'm gonna say in Arabic, Eid al Fitr, and so Fitr means um like beginning to eat. Mm-hmm. And so there's the holy month of Ramadan, which I guess you could consider a festival yeah. because you know each night is holier than the previous one, and it's just like 
a whole month of kind of religion. Wait, how how is it holier than the previous night? Well, it's because, you know, you're fasting. And so yeah. as you get more into fasting, you read more Quran, you go to the mosque more. And especially during the last 10 nights, there's believe that there's one night in which if you pray on that night, all your sins from the previous year is hmm. for, are forgiven. And oh. so a lot of people, you know, they start getting more active in the mosque yeah. and stuff. So it's a really yeah. nice time. And so I kind of consider that a festival. We always have nice food because, you yeah. know, we're fasting the whole day. So your mom, she <laughs> prepares nice things. And so I consider that a festival. But then at the very end, there's Eid al-Fitr, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the one for starting to eat, which is yeah. like, you know, you finished. And so this is the one where you'll, um, I believe this is the one, yeah, where you slaughter a goat. Uh-huh. And so this is because, you know, there's this um, story that Abraham, he killed a goat. Who was Abraham? Abraham was, um, so a lot of like Christianity and um, mm-hmm. Jews, Muslims, yeah. they all originate from an Abrahamic religion, right? And so it's because Abraham is like considered one of the earliest prophets. Mm-hmm. Oh, like. Right? Well, not so earliest, but he's like the grandfather of all prophets. Oh. Because okay. he had two sons. One of them ends up becoming the lineage for Jesus and um, Muhammad, mm-hmm. peace oh. be upon him. And then there's the other son who was like the father, grandfather, great-grandfather of a mm. bunch of the other prophets that came before Jesus. Wait, and... so are you saying that Christianity and Mos- Muslim, it's kind of related? Or... Yeah, yeah and, and even Judaism. Even yeah. Judaism. So all three they're are all, they're all Abrahamic All, all three of them are Abrahamic so they because all they're all connected. from one religion. Yeah, yeah. That's and so cool. there's a story that. that Abraham was told by God to s- kill his son the mm-hmm. way he would kill a sheep by like slitting its throat. And so Abraham was like considered one of the most religious people. He built the Kaaba, all, a lot of that stuff. And so he was prepared to do it. And so last second, right before he killed his son, God switched his son with a goat because right. of his piety. And so in order to show our piety, we're not going to kill our children, but we <laughs> we slaughter a goat in like honor of that. Right. Oh. And so, Yeah. And so that's an important time. And then there's another um, another Eid, which is just a, like a few weeks after it. It's called Eid al-Adha. And so... Um, yeah. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, this one... Oh, actually, I, I think I flipped them. <laughs> Sorry, I flipped them. No, you're good. This yeah. one, Eid al-Adha, this is the one where it's because of Abraham and he slaughtered oh, a goat. Okay. And then the one earlier, that one's just because in honor of Ramadan. Yeah. And oh, so, okay. yeah, that's, sorry, I flipped them because I was thinking of food and goats. Yeah, food. <laughs> so, which one would you say is your favorite one? The one that you enjoy celebrating the most or means um, the most religiously to you? And not only that, you know, the way that you celebrate it here because i mean yeah it's pretty right. coming to america and then celebrating your cultures uh, culture and festivals right i mean it's kind of different right yeah, yeah. Right. so um i personally like Eid al-Fitr, the one that comes after mm-hmm. the month of ramadan because you know it's just you've been it's kind of like ramadan's like the lead up and so you've been preparing mm-hmm. for this for like a month you've been you know awaiting it uh, the other one i like it obviously but it just it kind of comes more randomly compared Mm-hmm. See, the other one's just like a day. And so I personally like Eid al-Fitr, the Ramadan one, better. And so since we're in the U.S., um, the best way we have to celebrate it is we get off school. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, people would get off Christmas. It's basically yeah. similar to Christmas, except it's not celebrating the birth mm-hmm. of anyone. It's just, you know, end of the holy month. And so, yeah, we have that... Um, so, yeah, we have... So, basically, we go to the mosque at... There's mm-hmm. different timings, but I usually go to the 7 a.m. one. So, there's a mm-hmm. prayer that, like... 
So the mosque is full some days. It's full during Ramadan the last month, but it's never as full as it is on Eid. Yeah. So you you have people praying in the parking lot, but beyond wow. that, it like ex- there's like thousands and thousands of people in this facility. And so I really like that. It's like, you know, a nice environment. It's yeah, like you're cool. seeing all the people. And so, yeah, we do the prayer. And then from there, there's no real ceremony. The mm-hmm. most important, what we do is we go out to eat. Because it's actually haram, which means it's forbidden. Mm-hmm. It's haram not to eat the yeah, day after. Wow. Because oh, yeah. it's supposed to be like, you're still like trying to live <laughs> yeah. during that month. Yeah. So you have to move on. And so, yeah, we usually go out to eat at a nice place. And then after that, you're kind of allowed to do what you want. You can either... Mm-hmm. A lot of Muslims in the area, mm-hmm. they really, really, really enjoy a discount at Amazing Jake's. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd say like... 50-60% of the Muslims always go to Amazing Jake's and so wow. I used to go a lot but you know I grew up I stopped going it plus the Amazing Jake's they used to go to got shut down and uh, so yeah that's really how I spend my Eid the other Eid is like very very similar it's the same mm-hmm. ceremony same everything and so that was at the end of the Lunar New Year and mm-hmm. so that's like a few cause Ramadan is like the 8th month and there's or like the 10th month something like that so there's just 2 months after it and then there's Eid al-Adha, and so it's basically the same thing, actually. There's not... It's like, it means different things religiously, but the ceremonies are still the same. It's the same prayer, right. same, you know, food, after, same thing. So, you know, I went to Dubai once to meet yeah. my cousins, and there they have, like, this big horn that they, like, burn, like, every every so hours. I'm not sure. And that's, oh. like, when you got to get down and start praying. Right. So, like, they don't do that here. I mean, like, I don't hear a big horn going off anywhere right, right. in America. They also do that in, in, in India. Like, they do early, it in early um, in places too. like Turkey, yeah. Turkey, yeah, Pakistan, a lot of the religious states. Right. Yeah. So that's like a prayer call, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe you don't hear it, but there should be a guy. He's basically calling out mm-hmm. to everyone. He's like, come to pray, come to pray. And so it's oh. it lasts like two minutes or so. Yeah. And so the reason it happens like every couple hours is because there's one that happens at sunrise, one that happens during the middle of the day. It's called Luhud. Then there's one that happens in the afternoon, I don't know, five, four o'clock. One that happens at sunset and one that mm-hmm. happens after the suns are gone. Damn. And so that's that's five prayers a day. And so they always have to call out. In the U.S., since it's like, you know, the melting pot, there's so many other like religions and cultures. You can't, it'd be... We're not allowed to project that because, like, you know, it's like we're not the only religion, so we're not supposed to, like, disturb the other religions. And so, right. But, like, if you go to Turkey, if you go to Saudi Arabia, they, since they're religious countries, they'll have that yeah. horn. I guess. So, as you come to the United States and you find people that are Syrian, um, you guys, do you guys sort of like assimilate together because it's that cultural bond? Do you guys have like get togethers um, around certain holidays that you have? I don't think it's necessarily Syrian. I think, mm-hmm. and honestly, it's not even Middle Eastern. I yeah. think it's a very religious thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't... So like, so like... So like so including like Pakistani people. Yeah, Islam yeah. as a whole. Uh, it's like a brotherhood. Right. It's like, you know, everyone's one big yeah. family. So a well, lot of my y'all friends... Have that, like, common language Arabic, Yeah, it's right? like... Well, no, no, no. Actually, Islam isn't a common... doesn't have the common language of Arabic. That's just the Middle East. Because um. there's Pakistani people, there's Indonesian people. They all speak different languages. Wow. And so... But they're all united by, like, you know, the the, the religion, religion, the faith. Right. And so a lot of my friends... Like, I didn't... Like, I moved to, like... When I moved schools... So I was supposed to go to Bowman. I moved to Otto. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anybody. So the first thing I... First friends I make are the Middle East... Are the Muslim people... Because, you know, I I understand them. They understand yeah. me. That's, and a lot cool. of my, my closest friends are always Muslim people. Right. Like cool. when I came to Plano East, mm-hmm. first person I talked to was Muslim. 
yeah. you know, all my friends are now Muslim. Well, no, not all of them, but like mm-hmm. a lot of them yeah. are Muslim. Yeah. And so, yeah. like my closest friends, like right. my friends group, is mm-hmm. mainly made out of Muslims. But oh. at the, like at the same time, I think that it's not necessarily being a Muslim. I think it's the traits mm-hmm. that you have as a Muslim. You know, being kind, thinking about others. You know, yeah. doing your best to befriend people and help them in their time of right. need. I think yeah. that's what really like is the message of Islam. And mm-hmm. so, a lot of people like I have a friend, Dayal Dylan. Yeah. yeah, he's like one of my close friends, and mm-hmm. I, like I basically consider him like one of like my brothers in Islam, yeah. even though he's not because he's Sikh. Mm-hmm. But it's just you know he exhibits these qualities, just like right. every yeah. like a lot of my other Muslim friends do. And so it's like it becomes easier to assimilate them wow. into like yeah. your life because you know it's not necessarily about the religion; it's about the qualities that the religion yeah. represents. And so when other yeah. people have these qualities, it's yeah. it's nice. And, and you know what? Like thanks for saying that because you know so many people just got the wrong idea of muslim in their head yeah because of all the terror terrorism and all that yeah they, they immediately associate terrorism with m- muslim people which is which is very well, wrong yeah and like we need people like mm-hmm. you to actually say like it's actually yeah. a very peaceful religion all religions are peaceful so. this is saying that i used to hear from my grandparents and it was that um um, it was something, it wasn't necessarily something they believed in, but they were always mm-hmm. telling me, this is what we hear on the news, and you shouldn't believe this. And they said, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists yeah. are Muslims. And so they they would always explain to me, this isn't true. And they would tell me, you know, not just not just that not all Muslims are terrorists, no Muslims are terrorists, because yeah. there's this idea that the, those Muslims, quote-unquote, that like do, do these horrible things, mm-hmm. they're not really, they can't really be Muslims, because, not anymore, because if they were... A Muslim is someone who lives by the code of Islam. And the code of Islam right. is, you know, you're not allowed to kill. You have to help others rather than mm-hmm. hurt them. And so, and there's also the term jihad. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of people think, oh, a jihadi, he's going to like blow us up. Yeah. Jihad yeah. is someone who sacrifices mm-hmm. in the name of God or for mm-hmm. the sake of God. Yeah. And so a lot of people think, oh, he's going to kill himself for the sake of God. Dying on the battlefield for God is like, I guess, some, a way you could be a jihadi. But yeah. like, that's like kind of the wrong idea right. because... Going to school is considered jihad because, you know, you're working mm-hmm. to sustain your family in the future, right, make an yeah. honest living. That makes sense. When you go to work and you're doing an honest living, that's mm-hmm. considered jihad because you're working to please God, please Allah. And right. so, you know, I think there's like this wrong idea of the word. It's kind of been corrupted. But in reality, the real people who are like jihads, the real like people who are sacrificing <laughs> for the sake of God are like my parents. Right. And then like yeah. my sister who's studying and at school you know, all my friends who, like, work hard, all, like, everyone who's working hard to do honest work is considered a jihadi. So it's, oh, like, a moral cool. sacrifice right. compared to it doesn't a physical need to be, sacrifice. It doesn't need right. to be a physical sacrifice. It can be, yeah. you know, I'm sacrificing. I could have been making a million dollars selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right. that's not jihad. That's not jihad. Yeah. A real jihad is someone who is making $100,000 by, mm-hmm. um, you know, IT um, tech support, you know, yeah, honest yeah. work that isn't, right. you know, something that isn't like going against what God asked of us. Like not something that hurts other people for your no. own benefit. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So are there other misconceptions within the Islamic culture um, that many people have? Um, I think a common misconception is obviously like terrorists, like, you know, typical mm-hmm. like, oh, like yeah. almost in terrorist. But I think one that's like not known as much is that... Um, all Muslims speak Arabic, like you know, as okay. race for thought. <laughs> okay, well, it's not, it's not, it's not targeting him. It's not targeting him, but like I've heard yeah. it a lot of times, 
And so I think it's like, oh, because a lot of people think, you know, it's like the origins in the Middle East, but Islam right. is like an international religion. Yeah. And so I know a lot of white people who converted, who only speak English. And so they think, oh, because they're reading the Quran, they have to be able to speak Arabic. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people read the Quran without being able to speak Arabic. Because I think that's like kind of like the cool part about the Quran is that you can read it without knowing the language, but you can still like really? take it to heart and understand wow. it. That's and cool. so, yeah, like a lot of like Paki friends, they all have to read the Quran because, you know, that's yeah. like part of the prayer. Yeah, but they don't know, but they don't know Arabic, yeah. but they somehow also know what it means and they understand it. And so I find that really interesting and I find that cool. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that connection and a lot of it is like moral connection within yeah. other people, um, different languages, because yeah. a lot of times people view languages as somewhat as something that um, either separates or brings together yeah. someone. But in this case, um doesn't do any of that um language well, i still think is, it can bring uh, yeah, people together right, right? because yeah. like when mm-hmm. i see someone who speaks arabic i immediately feel comfortable right because yeah. yeah. like oh i can speak my la- yeah. native language yeah. but mm-hmm. you know there's also times where it's like i guess you could say it's like kind of judging but like if mm-hmm. i you know if someone doesn't know how to speak arabic it's not necessarily like i think anything wrong yeah. with them. like a lot of people don't most people don't speak arabic but it's just like i don't immediately have an immediate trust it kind of mm-hmm. has to build but when I know someone who speaks the same language, is the same religion, it's kind of right. like, I know they have the same values that I should have, and so yeah. I can kind of trust them. With yeah, that, that makes sense. Awesome. Like, language, religion, nationality, that's just like the basis for... Yeah, it's like you know like somebody just based connection, off this thing. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel that too. And you know the cool part is how like, you're saying like, Mos- like if you meet another Muslim, you're just like, uh, you you just feel connected with them. Uh, but like, I feel like many other countries, um, many other countries, like people from those countries, if they meet each other, then they'll become like close with each other, right? They'll have that instant yeah, yeah. connection. But I haven't, I haven't really heard of the religious aspect, and I just I haven't heard of it in other religions. I've only heard it from you about Muslims. Yeah. And well, Muslims. it really is like, you know, Islam. Like, there's this idea that like we're all brothers, yeah. and so like at the mosque, you refer to like instead of referring to the other older people as you know like mister whatever you refer to him as brother like amran brother something you know brother faisal brother something and so it's like because there's this kind of like relationship because like you know Mm -hmm. we we believe in like abraham adam like we all descend from like the same person and you know we also believe like god doesn't discriminate right right so it doesn't matter who you are it's supposed to be like we're all the same and so since we're Mm -hmm. all the same in the eyes of god and that's all that really matters we're all really brothers yeah. yeah, dude, wait, so. Rohan, don't they do that in Christianity too? They say brother, yeah, brother, brother yeah. Sister. sister. Yeah, a lot of it, and they also do that a lot in Judaism yeah, too. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's like the Abrahamic a- idea. Abraham. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of like um in the, in a lot of scripture from the Bible. It's like um brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers unite. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I've also noticed a lot of that in the Indian culture too, calling yeah. auntie, uncle. Uh, that's you a, call that. I, 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 mean, I, I know not, that's, that's a sign not of religious. respect. That's but, yeah, yeah, it's a sign of respect. It's, it's, that's it's, not, it's, it's that's not religious, yeah. I guess you could say. It's just yeah. how the how the country is. I mean, you just look at each other as a a brother yeah. or a sister, not as a stranger. You know. Yeah, I agree. Right. That's right. that's awesome. So um, yeah. that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Small World podcast. And it's um, really cool to see how there are so many misconceptions um, about yeah. the Islamic culture um, around the Middle East. But it's really cool to see the background and the other perspective behind that misconception. Yeah. So and this is yeah, this is not only. 
from for people from Syria, but also throughout all the Middle East and everybody who's a yeah Muslim, you know. And so we're so glad to have uh, interviewed Omar here, who kind of yeah, thank you so much. Kind of spoke for, for everybody else, yeah, you know, and um, got rid of those misconceptions. And it's actually pretty interesting to know other points of view as well. So uh, thank you, Omar, for yeah, being thank you. It was my pleasure, today. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm Rohan. And I'm Ray Schur. And this has been the Small World Podcast. Thank you for watching, and we'll be back with another one.